call your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, the Old Testament. The word of our God. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. We'll read to verse 19. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives, sons, and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Anoahim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came over the Basor Valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued their pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and nights. David asked him, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Carathites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. He led David down there. They were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day. None of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder, or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. Amen. I want to lift verse 6 in your hearing where I'll hang my hat for the next few moments of preaching. 
David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Amen. I want to preach as you shall pray for and with me this morning as I tag this text, Strength in Weakness. Strength in Weakness. Lord, bless your word. Bless your servant. Bless your vessel. Use me to be a blessing to your people. Let your word go forth with power. Your words, my mouth, in Jesus' name, amen. Among many things, the Holy Bible is authentic, genuine, and realistic. If you pay attention to how people are depicted and described in the Holy Bible, then you can and will affirm the authenticity, genuineness, and realistic nature of how people are depicted and described in the Holy Bible. The Bible does not deceive, misrepresent, or sugarcoat the lives of men or women, but the Bible depicts and describes people in ways that are authentic, genuine, and realistic. Dr. Johnson, the Bible does not, as scholars say, engage in hagiography. But the Bible, deacons, does not engage in hagiography, nor does scripture engage in proverbial photoshopping. But the Bible paints authentic, genuine, realistic portrayals of the men and women whose lives are paraded across its pages. If you've spent time in scripture, then you know scripture shows us and records both the good and the bad, triumph and tragedy, strength and weakness, mountaintops and valleys, high and low moments. According to this particular Old Testament text, we encounter a low moment in the life of David. David is one of the greatest personalities and kings in Scripture, in particular the Old Testament. Yet, as David's life is portrayed in 1 Samuel 30, 1 Samuel 30 does not sugarcoat what David is going through in this particular season in his life. 
1 Samuel 30 describes a low valley moment in the life of David. And parenthetically, if you let me pause here, watch chapel, none of us are exempt from the low moments of life. While we love to celebrate the high holy moments of life, for those of us who have lived for more than a few years, we can testify that every moment in life is not a high moment. Every day is not a sunny day. Every day is not 80 degrees where the sun is shining. Every day is not a day where everybody sings your praises, gives you high fives, and celebrates the victories that God has wrought in your life. There are some days that are in the words of the book that our children read that are bad, terrible, horrible days. I wish I had a witness on this Sunday morning. Yet, according to the economy of life, without rain and sunshine, none of us would grow. Without high moments and low moments, None of us would mature. Without mountaintops and valleys, none of us would have equilibrium. We don't like those moments, but we got to praise God for the sunshine and the rain. Can I preach on this Sunday morning? This is a low moment in the life of David. For the past season, David has been spending time with the Philistines trying to avoid the maniacal jealousy and envy of King Saul who wants nothing more but to kill David. Well, David has spent time with Saul with his 600 loyal soldiers. The text says that when David is away from Ziklag, the Amalekites, his enemies with whom he has done battle previously, take advantage of this opportunity and come raid the Negev and Ziklag and take his wives, children, all of their possessions and valuables into captivity. When David and his men make their way back to Ziklag, they discover a horrible, horrific sight. David's wives are gone, his sons are gone, his possessions, his valuables are gone. Not just David, but the wives of his soldiers are gone. Their valuables, their plunder is all gone. To add insult to injury in the midst of this perfect storm, amen, to put salt in his proverbial wounds because David is the leader. The men have turned on David, not to David, and want to stone David to death because they see David as the reason for their misfortune and tragedy. David is in a low season in life. He's lost his wives, appears though he is losing his children. Saul wants him dead. He is in limbo in life. He has an anointing and promise on his life. But the promise in the words of Jonathan Nelson has yet to manifest. 
And to add insult to injury, the people whom he has depended on are not turning to him, but are talking about stoning him to death. According to the text, David is distressed, discouraged, and disillusioned. And I don't know who I'm talking to on this Lord's Day morning, but somebody can identify with David in 1 Samuel 30. You are distressed, discouraged, disillusioned, and don't know what the heck is going on in your world. You had a job in February, but now you've been furloughed or laid off. You were healthy and your family was doing well in May. But now your health has took a turn for the worse and your family world is upside down. Things were going well in America once upon a time when 44 was in charge. But now, amen, things ought to get better. But it looks like things have gotten worse. Incivility, racial dog whistles, and you don't know what the heck is going on in your world. Somebody can testify and identify with the word I'm preaching on this Sunday morning. You are distressed. You are disillusioned. You are discouraged. And if the truth be known, just go on and wave your hand. Lift your hand. This is a weak season in your life. Can I preach right now? Yet despite this weak season in the life of David, help me preach Holy Spirit, the text says that David finds strength in the Lord his God. David is going through a weak season, watch chapel, but in the words of the song, Sing Sister Hill, David encourages himself in the Lord. David finds strength in the Lord his God. I'm preaching this to encourage somebody on this Sunday morning not to look to the left or to the right, but to find strength in the Lord your God. Look at what David does not do. Watch chapel as I preach this word on this Sunday morning. David is not cussing and complaining. David is not fussing and fighting. David is not drinking and drugging. David is not worrying and wandering. David is not reckless or wretched. David is not shopping or you fill in the blank with what you want to fill it in with. Amen. But David finds strength in the Lord his God. I don't care what low moment you're in right now. Watch chapel, whoever hears this word. You may be in a low moment. If you live long enough, you're going to be in a low moment in life. But you can find strength in the Lord, your God. You may feel suicidal, but you can find strength in the Lord, your God. You might feel hopeless but you can find strength in the Lord your God. You may be discouraged and discombobulated, but you can find strength in the Lord your God. You don't know how things are going to turn out, but you can find strength in the Lord your God. You don't know what's going to happen in this world or to the economy, but you can find strength in the Lord your God. And let me help somebody on this Sunday morning in case you didn't realize it. God is the source of your strength. 
If you haven't learned anything during these past four months, we all ought to have learned God is the source of our strength. I know there are some of us who are egomaniacal, but guess what? You ain't the source of your strength. God is the source of your strength. Corporate America ain't the source of your strength. God is the source of your strength. Your last name and pedigree ain't the source of your strength. God is the source of your strength. Your boo, your bae, your man, your partner, your woman, your husband, your wife ain't the source of your strength. God is the source of your strength. Your reputation ain't the source of your strength. God is the source of your strength. Your money ain't the source of your strength. God! I said, God, our hope in ages past, our hope for years to come, our Jehovah Jireh, our Jehovah Rapha, our Jehovah Nisi, my mama's God, my grandmama's God, our God is the source of our strength. How do you find strength? In the midst of weakness. Don't act like you ain't never been weak. Don't act like you ain't never been there. Don't act like you ain't never been discombobulated, discouraged, distressed. Don't act like that is foreign to you. All of us have been there, but let me help somebody. You can find strength in the midst of your weakness. And God is the source of your strength. How do you find strength in the midst of your weakness? First of all, David finds strength in the midst of his weakness because David recalls past victories. This is 1 Samuel 30. We are introduced to David in the mid-chapters of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 13, 14, 15 talks about his predecessor Saul and how Saul unceremoniously destroyed a great opportunity. But 1 Samuel 16 down in Jesse's house where David is the most unlikely to be anointed. There the anointing of God rests upon a young man. Y'all ain't talking to me. He ain't the oldest. He ain't the most likely to succeed. But God's hand is on his life. He has the heart of God. And God ain't looking for somebody tall, dark, and handsome. God ain't looking for Idris Elba. God ain't looking for Denzel. God ain't looking for whoever floats your boat. But God is looking for a man after God's own heart. And God anoints David. And from the time God anointed David, God had been giving David victory after victory. And now in a low moment in life, David needs sanctified recall to remember every victory that God had wrought in his life. Can I preach this word on Sunday morning? Goliath tried to take him out but God gave him victory. Saul got jealous, but God gave him victory. Nabal, a crazy man, hated on David, but God gave him victory. 
David is in the cave of Adolam, lions, tigers, bears, but God gave him victory. Saul was jealous and envious, but God gave him victory. God raised up a friend by the name of Jonathan. God gave him victory. The Philistines have tried to take him out, but God gave him victory. The Hittites come for him, but God gave him victory. The Amalekites have come for him, but God gave them victory. Do I have anybody here who can recall the victories that God has wrought in your life? You ain't here in your own power, but God has given you victory after victory after victory. You should be dead, but you are alive. The cancer should have took you out, but you are alive. Got in a car accident, but walked away. Had an autoimmune disease, but you're now healed and delivered. I said some stuff tried to take you out, but you got victory after victory after victory. Had it not been for God on your side, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be preaching. You wouldn't have a testimony. You wouldn't have a shout. You wouldn't have a hallelujah. You better recall. The victories in your life. Don't forget. Don't be shamed. Don't be too proud to testify. God has you alive for a reason. God has saved you. God has delivered you. God has brought you out. You got more than one victory. Can I call it the way I want to call it? All I do is win. I ain't won yet, but I'm going to win. I got victory in Jesus' name. Recall and thank God for victory. I find strength. I got strength right now. I said I'm getting stronger right now because I'm thinking about victory after victory after victory. I took some setbacks, but I got victory. I find strength when I'm weak because I recall past victories. But I just don't recall past victories. I have strength in weakness because David prays particular prayers. When I say particular prayers, I'm not talking about strange. I'm not talking about weird. I'm not talking about eclectic. But as David prays, he's in Ziklag. The men are trying to turn on him. David doesn't know what to do, but David does know what to do. David doesn't look to Jonathan. He doesn't look to Jesse, his daddy, but he looks to God, his father. He calls for the priest Abiathar to bring the ephod, which represents the presence of Almighty God. And David has enough spiritual sense, watch chapel, enough godly gumption not to do what he wants to do in his own power. But David, Deacon Don, learns to stand still, wait on God, don't rush, but let God give him direction before he does anything in his own power. Sometimes we just need to be still. Let me help somebody right now. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is rush out into something. Can I preach this? Just stand still. And let God work some stuff out on your behalf. Stand still. Let God give you direction. Be still. And trust God to be God. Be still. 
and trust God to work it out for your good. Be still and let God heal. Be still. Let God protect and provide. Be still. Let God prepare stuff for you. God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He's Alpha and Omega and everything in between. Can I preach this word on this Sunday morning? And David is still and prays a particular prayer. David prays, should I go forward? And if I go forward, am I going to win? David ain't trying to get into a fight that he's going to lose. But God, should I go and recover everything that they've taken? And if I go, am I going to win? David doesn't do anything until God says, yes, go. And when you go, you're going to get everything back. Can I preach this word? Watch Tapo. Every now and then, when you want to find strength in God, you got to pray particular prayers. There's power in prayer. Can I help somebody right now? Prayer just doesn't change the circumstance, but prayer changes you so you can handle the circumstance. We've been mistaught in so many cases. Yeah, God does change circumstances. God is sovereign. God is the God of the cosmos. God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. But I've discovered sometimes, can I preach this? God may not change the circumstance, but God will change you so you can handle the circumstance. Amen. God may not give you a new job, but he'll change your attitude towards the job. God may not lower your blood pressure automatically, but God will give you the gumption to get up and walk three miles every day. So you'll, take, you'll be taken off your high blood pressure medication. God may not change them, but God will change you so you can look at them and have the joy of the Lord and peace that passeth all understanding. God doesn't always change the outside, but God will change you on the inside so you'll be more than a conqueror. You'll be a mighty warrior. You'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll have victory. Don't always look for God to change stuff. God will change you. Sometimes you think God had answered your prayer. Now God has answered your prayer, but God is answering your prayer in a way you didn't expect God to answer the prayer. You expected God to change that, but God is changing you in the midst of that. David prayed a particular prayer. Let me tell you something, amen. I, I'm going to preach five more minutes, amen. Uh, 92.1, y'all going to have to tune in next week, amen. But uh, those on live stream, IG, y'all keep on. I ain't closing yet. David prayed a particular prayer. And there's some prayers, amen, can I preach this? Uh, we we got to learn how to pray with particularity and specificity. Should I go? And when I go, am I going to win? David ain't just praying a duty-bound prayer. Should I fight? Uh, Lord, bless the cattle on a thousand hills. No, there, there's some prayers as I've getting older. Amen, somebody. Amen. Uh, you got to pray with specificity and particularity. I got a friend. I won't call her name. She's probably watching right now. Uh, amen. Uh, her, her, her former husband. Amen. She said she just prayed for a man. 
And that's what God gave her. She said he was a man. Physiologically, biologically, he was a man. He, he ain't had no work ethic. Y'all ain't talking to me. But I, I got what I prayed for. Amen. She said, but guess what? After that, amen, I learned how to pray. I prayed for a man who loved God. A man who loved me. A man who had a 401k. A man who had a work ethic. A man who wore blue when he was two years old. Y'all ain't talking to me. I, I prayed for a man and this time what God gave me just wasn't a man but God gave me a prayer a man according to what I learned how to pray because I learned how to pray with particularity and specificity can I, I, can I help somebody right now so when you pray tonight when you pray this afternoon you got to learn to pray with particularity and specificity when you graduate you got to pray with particularity and specificity when you pray on that date, you got to pray with particularity and specificity. Before you go under surgery, you got to pray a particular prayer. Just don't pray a general gray prayer. Lord, pray for deliverance. Pray for the right surgeon. Pray for the right nurse. Can I preach this word? Pray for the right job. That's the right fit. Should I go and am I going to win? Let me close. And run across the field, David finds strength in God. Because he prays a particular prayer, David recalls past victory. But David finds strength in God because he remembers the prevailing promises of Almighty God. You have to understand where we are chronologically in the life of David. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 30. David has the anointing and promise of God on his life. But the promise has yet to come to pass. Those of us who know something about the Old Testament, you got to make your way to 2 Samuel chapter 2 and 2 Samuel chapter 5 before the promise of God is fulfilled in the life of David. 1 Samuel 16 said, David is a man after God's own heart. And he's going to be the king of Israel. But first, from 1 Samuel 17 to 2 Samuel chapter 2, David is running for his doggone life. David is making his way over mountains and valleys, high moments and low moments, tragedy and triumph. But David now in 1 Samuel 30 doesn't give up on the promise of Almighty God because he knows that God is a promise keeper. And David is able to find strength in Almighty God. I feel like preaching right now because he believes in the prevailing promises of Almighty God. And if God has ever made you a promise, don't give up on the promise that God has made you. I don't care what things look like right now. I don't care how the circumstances seem right now. I don't care what the facts say right now. The promises of God will prevail. Do I have a witness right now? Saul tried to kill David, but the promises of God kept on prevailing. 
Saul wanted to take him out but the promises of God kept on prevailing his own men wanted to stone him to death but the promises of God kept on prevailing I gotta call numbers 23 19 God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he will deceive but God is a promise keeper if God has made the promise God's going to bring the promise to pass if God said you're going to be king you're going to be king if God said you're healed then you're healed if God said he's going to make a way he's going to make a way if God says he's going to make your enemies your footstools, he's going to make your enemies your footstools. If God says you're blessed coming in and blessed going out, you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. If God said no weapon formed against you shall prosper, then no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If God said no good thing will I withhold from them that love the Lord, then God won't hold anything from you. Do I have a witness? I don't care where you are, what things look like. The promises of God are yes and amen. You're healed. You're blessed. You're coming out. Walk through the door. Lift your head up. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. God's going to work it out for your good. God's going to make your latter days better than your former days. Yes, he will. He's a promise keeper. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I said you can find strength in weakness. You recall your past victories. This ain't your first time in the rodeo. You done overcome some stuff before. You've persevered before. This ain't the first time you've faced difficulty. God's brought you out before. You don't get 52 years old without having victory, without a testimony. God's brought you out of some stuff before. You learn, you, you've learned now how to call on the name of God. Life will make you pray. I'm talking to the real folk right now. I, I ain't talking about praying them cute prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about life will make you call on his name. Life will make you holler. I ain't talking about Marvin Gaye. I said life will make you holler. Life will make you cry and call on his name. promises of God prevail I said the promises of God prevail 
We don't appreciate miracles till you go through. A miracle don't make sense. If you could figure it out, it ain't a miracle. If you ain't never cried, that ain't a miracle. A miracle is when you cry and you say, Lord, had it not been. Miracles when it don't make sense. And you see the promises of God prevail and supersede the circumstance. Every miracle isn't identical. Don't compare your miracle to my miracle, somebody else's miracle to your miracle. God works with all of us individually and uniquely. Deacon Dunn, that 44 regular fits different on me than it does on somebody else. That's how God works with all of us, individually, uniquely. So you don't have to steal somebody else's testimony. You can say, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Let me, no, no I, I, I don't have to borrow your testimony. I don't have to crib your notes. Let me tell you, I had a stutter, but now you don't know I had a stutter. I had appendicitis and I see you, but God brought me out. Y'all ain't talking to me. Somebody right now, you can be strong in the midst of weakness. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join Watch Chapel. There's somebody who's going to join Watch Chapel today, right now. Before I say the benediction, come on, join right now. Before, but I'm about to say the benediction in three minutes. But you, right now, you're in a low moment, a weak season, distressed, discombobulated. And you need a relationship with a God who can give you strength in the midst of weakness. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. You join right now. Don't, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of God. Don't turn me off. Don't tune me off. Don't turn me off. Join right now. Somebody needs a church home. Unite with Watch Chapel. You're not saved. A, B, C, D. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that the Lord loves you and Jesus paid it all for your sins. Confess Christ as your Savior and Lord and do what he asks you to do. I'm going to preach that in a few weeks. Obedience. Obedience. Somebody right now.